Good day, everyone. You're listening to Time for Your Hobby, and this is episode 203. So that's how it works. I'm your host, Alex, and today I have the honor to have Leo as my guest on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. 203, for some reason, sounds like a milestone number, even though it's <laughs> three. I know 200 would be the milestone, but maybe it's just because I'm here. It's because you're special. here, and three is bigger <laughs> than zero. Or I guess... 203 is bigger uh, than 200. Science. There, there it is. It's math. Math and <laughs> science. Math. There you go, kids. Pay <laughs> attention. It's cool. Yeah, we're teaching science and math today. So first lesson, 200 is a smaller number than 203. Yeah. The In more you know, you know. little rainbow everything. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, today we're not going to be talking about math, rainbows, or calculus, or all, all that stuff you'll learn in school in the proper context, not from this podcast. I don't, I can't teach anything, but what my guests can do is teach about their hobbies. And today we're going to be talking about tinkering with tech. But before we tinker with this technology, we're going to tinker with Leo's brain. That's a weird way of saying it. No lobotomy, anything like that. Um, so who is Leo? <laughs> yeah, I promise you I am not certified to do any of that. So we're just going to do the spiritual tinkering. So who is Leo? That is, do you ask everyone this question? That's a big I question. Do. I do. Right off wow. the bat, I go, with a, I go in hard. Oh, who am I? I am. Uh, just some old eighties nerd who has always enjoyed uh, just a natural curiosity. I've just always been a naturally, naturally curious person. And you know, that can lead you in different directions, sometimes fun directions, sometimes not so fun, but in either direction, I like to think I've learned something along the way. Well, hopefully the topic of the day led you in some fun directions. If it didn't lead you in fun directions, I'm still super curious on what lead, led you to those non-fun directions, but hopefully the majority <laughs> of the time it has been fun. The majority of the time okay. it has been fun. <laughs> well, okay, before we jump into the topic, uh, I do this at the beginning of every episode as well. Do you have any social media links, websites, projects, or anything at all that you would love to share? Oh, of course, everyone can find uh, my podcast, Voluntary Input. You just go to voluntaryinput.com and there you can find there's our, the link to show page where people can listen to us on podcast uh, applications is starting to fill up pretty, pretty big. We might stop putting them there because we're pretty much everywhere. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, I think we may just take that page down and put everywhere you listen to podcasts there. You can find us. Uh, so yeah, you can go to voluntaryinput.com. You can contact us or uh, register to be a guest. Uh, I also have my own personal uh, blog uh, website. It's leojallenjr.com. That's more my personal musings, uh, a lot of my curiosities and sometimes, you know, just random shares of things like, you know, like I really for a while there, I got really heavy into sharing about cord cutting, you know, getting rid of cable and how you can still have a great TV experience. So I shared a lot of that there or sometimes I'll just uh, random writings about my my son's basketball games or whatever or things like that or some things I've discovered about tinkering with sound or or whatnot. So. Uh, those are the two places you can find the majority of my stuff. But of course, you can always find me on uh, the socials. I'm mostly uh, active on Twitter. Over the years, I've found that uh, like and I hear a lot of other people saying this, too. Uh, I enjoy Twitter far more than Facebook uh, these days. And I'm just you can find me at Leo J. Allen Jr. And I'm usually more active there. I am on Facebook, but that's mostly old friends and family. And a lot of that just is. Uh, God, I'm hardly there anymore. That's just the thing. <laughs> and I'm on Instagram again. Eh, not as active as I am on Twitter. Twitter is just more fun and engaging. I think uh, I just feel like Twitter just does a better job of holding my interest at this point. So. No, I completely agree with you. I'm mostly active on Twitter these days as well. And I used to do Reddit as well, Instagram, but Twitter seems to be my home until I go back to Napster and MySpace and all that. And yeah, those, those, those are going to be, <laughs> those are going to be my go-to site. So they're going to come up again. I swear there, there's going to be a, a retro MySpace. <laughs> and you might as well bring back LimeWire if you're oh, going to yeah. say something like that so you can get your music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Live my life on the edge, downloading the song, but it might be com something completely different. I, I don't hey. know if I should say this, but I remember I was downloading back in the days, the movie triple X. Let's just say it wasn't triple X. It was <laughs> not the one was, you thought it was. No, 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 exactly. It was a different triple X. And of course I decided to watch it for the first time in front of my parents. Nope. 
No Ooh. bad idea. Oh, triple X, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's a not a good idea. So good thing LimeWire is no longer a thing. <laughs> yeah. So today we're good not going to be talking, we're not going to be talking about how I did things that probably brought shame to my family with that. Uh, we're going to be talking about Leo's interest in tinkering with text. So Actually, it's a weird way to ask this question, but how did you, how would you define tinkering with tech? Like how deep do you get into the tinkering aspect? It, it all started with uh, basic programming back in the eighties. When I was younger, my parents would say, you know, we're, we're going to take you, we're going to go shopping. You know, this is back when uh, the big shopping malls were still a thing. And you guys get to just pick out a couple of things you may want to get. And sometimes, you know, we would know you may get three things or sometimes you can just get one big thing. Well, at the time, we happened into a Radio Shack, if you remember those stores, and they had a TRS-80 Cocoa on display. And for some reason, that just grabbed my attention. And I said, I want that. And there was nothing on the screen, just a blinking cursor. And uh, so lo and behold, I ended up getting it for Christmas. And that started me really down the path of diving into like programming. I mean, I would sit on that thing for hours on end, much to my father's chagrin. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just would learn the ins and outs of, you know, using the basic programming language. I, I used to make a lot of video games in basic, moved up to a little bit of assembly and then from there, you know, it, it was like that was just the spark that lit the fire because then I just needed to know how a lot of other things were working, you know, because then we started getting into uh, using tape decks to save your program data. It used to be I would have to write programs out totally by hand. And this is line for line. I mean, I would have pages and pages that I would just write out by hand because the thing is with those computers back then, once you turned them off, Anything you were working on, it was gone. And when you turned it back on, you had to punch it all back in. But then, you know, and even then I thought there's got to be a better way to do this. Well, someone smarter than me said, well, we'll use tape decks. And then, you know, eventually we got to the floppy disks. And, you know, that just led to me trying to understand how does all of this work, basically. And, you know, I, I always love when, like I say, the, the bigger brained people, when you had like the Steve Jobs and the Bill Gates, they started coming out with the things they were building. And I, I would look at that and I'd go, you know, I never thought about that. Like when they started doing applications for business, I, I really, you know, I was, a, I was a young guy, you know, I didn't really have that, that vision at the time. I'm like, you know, video games, video games. And then here they come and they say, no, office applications. And I went, hmm, actually they're right. So that took me in another direction. Then I started exploring how do you, you know, what, what is, what are the things that you would make that businesses would need? And, you know, then you start seeing ATMs and a lot of people don't know a lot of the ATMs you use, they're just running on windows. So, mm -hmm. and I, th I think that, that just started, a, like I said, just that basic programming foundation that was planted back in the eighties. And it just, it continues to blossom to this day. It continues to bloom to this day. Every other day, I swear I run into something. I'm like, Ooh, I want to know how that works. <laughs> so it's got me wondering. So when it comes to getting to know how things work, is it more of a software learning curiosity or also a hardware where you would take it apart into like the smallest pieces to figure out what every little individual pieces do? Well, some hardware, not when it comes to my computers back then, though, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to break anything, you know, I didn't have money to replace stuff. So, <laughs> but you know, over time, I started like a lot of people did, especially through the 90s, I would not buy a computer, I would only build rigs. So yeah, I got to that point where, oh, a motherboard. You need a CPU, you need RAM, you need a GPU, you need your, you know, your drives and whatnot and so forth. Yeah, that I loved that stuff. Well, eventually it kind of just got boring to me after a while, to be honest. It was like, nah. And I think what happened too is a lot of the manufacturers started seeing that, well, these guys that are building things, we could just make what they're actually trying to build, or at least something close to it. Cause you know, after a while. You get, you start reaching a certain age, you got responsibilities, you got life, you don't have time to build rigs anymore. And I think that's what kind of happened to me too. Now, as far as other tinkering and taking things apart, that started back when I was a kid with my brother. We, we were the, we were the guys that would get in trouble 
you know, how you get Christmas presents. We would get the little remote controlled cars <laughs> and we'd play with them or whatever. But immediately we're like, man, what makes these things go? And we take the wheels off, we take them apart. And then we'd find those little electric servo motors in there. And it's like, oh, cool. What can we do with what else can we build with this? You know, so it's like, yeah, it worked great in these little cars. I bet we can do something else with it. And so we would do stuff like that too, or take them apart to discover that it's basically just a couple magnets in there that makes those things spin around. And yeah, that kind of stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a video online of dads and moms as well, but mostly dads because dads have the stereotype of being stupid and reckless where they have, you know, those like cars kids drive. So they replace the actual like battery or is it the, yeah, the, the power by like mm -hmm. the, like a power drill power. And then the car just goes <laughs> flying. Flying. Yes. Uh, I've so seen with, those. That, with that being said, is that something like you look at something like, what if I added a piece from a different piece of tech into here to make it work differently? Oh, yeah. So let's kind of let's say an original Game Boy, you were like, oh, well, what if it had an LCD screen instead? So that way it still has a light coming through it and it's uh same experience, but with lighting behind it. You know, that's called the Raspberry Pi love those things i have <laughs> i'm sitting next to three of them right now actually and i actually got my son into them too um but i i think that was born out of guys you know same kind of person you know they were thinking you know big computers are great and all but i bet we could take a lot of those components <laughs> and, sh and shrink them down and and make something similar and cheaper and that's literally what the raspberry pi was that's how it was birthed and yeah i love them Okay. So with that being said, what have you made with your Raspberry Pi? Oh, we did because uh, we also got into Arduinos and we started doing a lot of the Arduino projects where you, one of my favorites was we made a robot arm that we could tell it to pick up and move things, you know, just small tinkery projects like that. Nothing, nothing too out of the, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, I did host a Plex server on one. But it was it was pulling through Wi-Fi. And if you if you do, if you're not familiar with a Plex server, that's it's basically it's a media server. And uh, and it's actually the backbone of my entire television and movie experience in my home. So when you come to my house, <laughs> a lot of the TV and stuff you watch are running through my Plex server. Well, I I tried to host one on a Raspberry Pi. It worked OK, but it just it, it had buffering issues, uh, you know, things like that. Um, there's a few other projects I can't think off the top of my head. And like I said, mostly it was my son and I, because I was getting interested into, you know, programming and Linux and, and how these things actually work and how to use controllers and things like that. So, okay. So you had me wondering, you said your son is getting into it as well. What is a project that you and your son just loved to work on? Oh, it was that robot arm because that, that was fun because you had to we had to get all the individual parts, too. And then and then another interesting side shoot to that is we also got into 3D printing kind of at the same time. So we needed some gears and whatnot. And, you know, we were a little too anxious to order. them, So we just started printing them ourselves. <laughs> so. And with a 3D printer, your imagination is your limit as in what you can create in pieces and stuff like that. So I'm guessing like sometimes you're in the middle of the day, you're just walking around like, oh, what if I printed this? Oh, I got to go test it out. <laughs> I'll tell you the funniest yet. One of the funniest but coolest things that happened. I have a brother-in-law and uh, he, he loves to hunt. He does a lot of hunting. He's up in northern Ohio. And one day he sent me a text and he said, you think if um, if I sent you and my son, if I sent you guys this thing, you think you could 3D print it for me? And I'm like, well, it depends on what it is. And he goes, well, it's, it's a duck decoy. But he didn't need the decoy. He needed there was a little plastic piece inside of it. So the way these decoys work is it's basically a duck's butt. And it looks like a duck has its head in the water, but wiggling and it attracts the other ducks so they can hunt them. Well, there's a little motor inside there, just one of those little electric motors, like I talked about earlier. And there's a little piece of plastic that has a weight attached to the other end. So when the motor spins, that weight makes the duck butt wiggle. Well, that little plastic piece broke and it's kind of a small part. 
And he said he contacted the manufacturer and they're like, nope, we don't make that part. You have to buy a whole new decoy. And the rest of the story is that it was it wasn't even my brother-in-law's. He had borrowed it from a friend. So he technically broke his friend's decoy. And he's like, I don't want to have to borrow another one. So I actually set my son on the task. I said, well, he wants to know if we can make this thing. What do you think? And he goes, well, first, we're going to need a new pair of calipers because it's a small part. And we got to put everything in. Uh, everything's metric measurement in our 3D printer. And he said about uh, he used... Uh, CAD software. I think he used Tinkercad for pretty much all of it, got all the dimensions together, and he ended up pulling it off. And he printed four of them to send back to my my brother-in-law. And to this day, I to my that that decoy still works now. That's more of a proud papa moment, too. I like to kind of brag <laughs> on my boy a little bit. Look what he can do. <laughs> <laughs> Just present him like my son did this. <laughs> exactly. Well, my son today, you know, he succeeded in not eating something. He's 17 months old. So that's my well. proud papa moment. Like, you know, eating hair <laughs> off the ground. That's his, that's my proud papa moment right there. <laughs> yeah. He didn't choke. <laughs> yeah, He didn't choke. That's, that's, it's a good day when that doesn't happen. Right. Uh, right. so it's got me, it's got me wondering going back in time, do you, what is the oldest piece of tech that you have tinkered with and not necessarily just old in age, but like that was yours that you still own today? Well, to be honest, uh, <laughs> I, I really don't think I have a lot of that stuff hanging around anymore because over time, you know, you have those people that live in your house with you that uh, they tend to know better than you when you're mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they start to say things to you like, you know, you really don't need all that stuff no. down there in that basement, do you? <laughs> and you start to listen to them and you say, you know what, honey, you're right. And you start getting rid of stuff. <laughs> yeah, your so, choice, though. Uh, your choice. Oh, absolutely. It was my choice. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I honestly, I think most of the old things that I, well, I mean, I do, there, there is a box of some miscellaneous things. I, I also, this is why she said it, because I do have this way of, oh, I'm going to hold on to that because you never know. I'm that guy. You know what I mean? I will. It becomes kind of pack radish. <laughs> So, for example, I still have a copy of uh, Windows 95. I still have copies of Windows XP. I have all, all kinds of old software disks. Uh, no AOL disk, though. I never got into that. Uh, <laughs> I have a few uh, DVD-ROM drives that could go into any tower that would actually take them, but I don't even think they could con- to they could connect to any of the new towers. But I still have them. Just kind of miscellaneous stuff like that I have laying around. Important miscellaneous stuff. The keyword. You important. never know what you might never happen know. when the apocalypse comes. Guess what? You'll have. I got a DVD ROM drive. <laughs> well, it's funny you say <laughs> that because I ended up buying my grandfather's house. And it's a long story like that. But we were cleaning it out and he had seven TVs and like one of the smallest ones was like the size of like a loaf of bread. And they also had an unopened Game Boy, the original one from 1989. Oh, tell me you kept that. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely kept that. And it's unopened. Oh, I don't understand. (laughs) So, and they just kept everything. They had the, like two of the first electric stoves ever. Why did they still have it? Don't know. They were like in the garage sinking into the ground somehow. But like, there was just so many different things and yeah, that was, that was fun to clean up, <laughs> but I bet it was, there was an Atari, but they threw it out and I could not, I was like, Oh, I saw it one time and then I should have took it, but I couldn't find it again. I, I still have an Atari and I have about 30 something cartridges and it still works. The thing with cartridges, they still work. I still have my original, original Nintendo 64. And it still works. The controllers are like the joypad is done, but everything mm-hmm. else works fine. <laughs> All you got to do is blow in those cartridges and they start playing again. <laughs> Even though they tell you not to blow into it, but it's got to be a rumor. So it's like, yeah, yeah, you just got to blow into it to make it work and then smack it down into the console itself as hard as you can. That's, that's how we grew Everybody up. Everybody did it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now talking like, thug, this is a weird segue, but speaking of like old and sometimes even broken, but Atari and Nintendo 64 never break. Do you prefer to tinker with new technology or older technology or just go back and forth? Uh, kind of back and forth because there's a lot of, a lot of interesting new things that you know that were built on old things. And sometimes I like to go, 
hey, I bet I know how they did that. And sure enough, you start digging in and you say, you discover, yeah, they just build on top of something else. And I think that's just true in uh, a lot of things. There there used to be a saying, I don't hear it as much anymore, um, that, you know, you hear people say what's old is new, but I've also heard people uh, people say, actually, there's nothing new. It's just something old that was improved. And it, I used to think about that a lot because if you look at things like uh, televisions, well, technically TV isn't new. They just keep improving and reiterating on them. They're building on top of a, an old idea and making them better. If you, if even telephones, I mean, okay, first there was the first telephone. Telephone. Well, look now we don't even, we have cell phones, but it's still a telephone. It's just much better. So, yeah. <laughs> just just slightly better. Just yeah, slightly. <laughs> it's a computer now that makes phone calls and no one makes phone calls anymore, which, you know, that's another conversation. <laughs> yeah. Why is it called a telephone now? It should just be a computer t- phone. I don't even know. Well, <laughs> computer some people, in some circles, <laughs> some circles, I've heard that where they just call them mobile devices because that's really what it is. It's a mobile device. That's true. But wasn't. A pocket watch, not a pocket. Well, I was gonna say a pocket watch, one of those calculator watches. Technically, a mobile device. I don't know. I'm, I'm stretching it. I'm stretching it at this point. <laughs> no, that was the coolest nerd accessory of all time. Is what Yo, that was. Spontaneous math. You never know when you need it. You never know. <laughs> I got my calculator right here on my wrist. You just whip it out. <laughs> I actually got in trouble for wearing one of those ones. Well, not in trouble. It got confiscated in school uh, oh. <laughs> because we were taking a test. No oh. calculators, right? And you know, I'm being that smile like mm-hmm. kid and i look at my watch and the teacher he he wasn't dumb he just walks up and puts his hand out <laughs> and He's i had like, to turn it over to him <laughs> what time is it oh it's four times 20 o'clock <laughs> yep is that in real time yep. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well for a second when you talked when you said you got your watch calculated uh, watch calculated oh my goodness calculator watch confiscated confiscated yeah cool alex you can english um i thought you meant as an adult it's just like recently (laughs) somebody confiscated it from you like yeah we're gonna have to take that sir okay i got arrested and uh those are illegal so they confiscated put it in impound (laughs) yeah it's a fire hazard to have a calculator watch And, you know, I had one of them them as well, and they were really interesting. So with that being said, what is the most interesting piece of tech or electronic you've tinkered with? I would have to say, and I don't know why I did this, because this was kind of one of, remember I said, you know, sometimes you do something that (laughs) could lead to trouble. Uh, For some reason, I got it in my head to tinker with a graphing calculator. And if you know those things, they are very expensive. Uh, It was just an expensive I wanted to see if I could make it do other things. And uh, eh, I kind of <laughs> did, but it wasn't really worth what was that thing. It was like a $175 calculator and I, I totally cooked it, but it was just to, just to be silly. <laughs> worth it. It was worth it. Cause I'm guessing like people, I've seen people it. like do like Mario and even Doom, they had programmed yeah. into it. Okay. Right. So with that being said, what were you trying to create in that calculator i i i don't know i it was kind of when i first started really diving into the pie and the arduinos and i was thinking i bet if i made a robot you know if we because we did the robot arm thing and then i was thinking i bet we could use this graphing calculator and make it have facial expressions like as we had it doing things just to goof off so like if it's picking something up and it's, you know, it's straining to pick it up, it would give that strained facial expression. You were slowly building the T-800. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> is that what you're saying? This is, this is how it all started. <laughs> With a calculator giving <laughs> facial expressions. <laughs> but I, 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 I know what I did. I, I basically, I fried the screen because I hooked I just crossed some wires. Let's just put it, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. So you know what? The calculator maybe will have a redemption one day. You will build the T8, T-800 and it will be a kind T-800. Uh, from, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but sure, the, that's how that works. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. The, the movies 
show that, right? The, the kind part. You just got to close your eyes on the not kind part. Uh, yeah, so exactly. that's something you've tinkered with. But what is something that you would love to tinker with in the future? Uh, and I think this all ties into doing all this podcasting and streaming thing. I really, really love great camera work and great lighting as of late uh, effects. I'm really, I don't know. I'm just kind of obsessed with that sort of thing, transitions, but uh, you know, on, on, on a live scale. So I follow a lot of people who, who do this sort of thing professionally. And, you know, I, I interact with them and sometimes they show the things they do behind the scenes and I'm like, Oh, I want to go there and just play. I don't know. I just want to go into a broadcast studio and play for a day. If somebody would allow me to do that, I mean, sure, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. I promise I won't really break anything. <laughs> but the calculator I don't know. can I still just, do the number one. You can press that and kind of see it. <laughs> yeah, but because when because I've I've gotten to this point where I'm watching TV and I'm looking at you know commercials. And I'm looking at the graphics that are running across, like the splash screens and whatnot. And, you know, even when they have, they talk about sale prices or whatever, the colors and all the things moving on the screen. And I'm just thinking, huh, I wonder how they did that. I do have some tools to do some of that stuff, but it's like, no, what I have can't do that. I wonder what they're using to do that. And that's the kind that's 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 kind of how my curiosity, it always starts with something just grabs my attention. And my brain says, let's try to figure out how they do that. And that's my latest. Yeah, that's what I want to tinker with next is really getting into, yeah, the graphics and things like that for. So let me guess. So one of your favorite shows is how it's made. Well, <laughs> kind of. It's OK. That show kind of disappoints me, though, because I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I've watched it's every time I turn it on, I feel like when they're showing things, it seems pretty antiquated. You, you, you ever notice that? Like, it looks like something that they filmed a long time ago. And, and I don't know, I think they could do something with the, the, the announcer. He's a little too, he's a little too deadpan for me to <laughs> the guy that's narrating. Like, you, you, hear that? Yeah, you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Leo's threatening you. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, I'm asking a for a job. job. I could do it. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, this is a job interview shout out. So uh, the resume will be attached down in the description, so people can go check that out and hire Leo to be the voice of the new How It's Made. Leo has did you broke a calculator? That's so we'll show you how things are made by destroying them. Oh my gosh! I'll tell you the ones I do like the show I do like uh, that's kind of in that uh, same realm is. Oddly enough, engineering uh, catastrophes. Have you seen this one? Where they, um, it, it's more about how engineers look at disasters and how they, and their thought process of how can we build this differently to avoid this type of catastrophe. So they'll talk about bridge building, that kind of stuff fascinates me too. Uh, building large skyscrapers and buildings and all the thought process that goes into that and buildings actually move all the time. I mean, that it just totally blows my mind. I'm like, you know, it took some genius to think of that. You know, this stuff has to move. Otherwise, it would come crashing down. It has to sway. And in a way that people inside don't even feel it. Yeah, that's, what, that's why I heard a lot of the buildings in Japan are better suited for earthquakes. You know, they have a lot of oh, earthquakes yeah. every year, but the buildings are better at absorbing the shock from the earthquakes than some other buildings around the world. Oh, and China, those old buildings, and I'm not going to be able to remember the name of those. Do you know how they have those, those sloping roofs? They all look like tri uh, triangles. Well, if you look closely, they're literally thousands and thousands of interconnecting blocks and there's a specific name for those blocks and i can't remember it right off the top of my head and they're placed on these stilts and the dwelling inside where people actually live those are just regular brick walls well a lot of those have been standing for hundreds of years withstanding earthquakes because the engineers who designed them i mean we're talking hundreds of years ago they came up with those because they move during earthquakes and 
I've watched on, and if people can't tell, Science Channel is one of my favorite channels. And on one of the engineering disaster shows, they put it on, uh, they reconstructed one and they put it on an earth, they call them earthquake platforms and they built brick walls inside whatever. And they shook this thing violently and it wouldn't fall. The brick walls inside fell, but that roof and those stilts won't come down. And that's why a lot of those buildings you see in China are, were built that way because they, they've had really bad earthquakes over the years. And so, yeah. The engineers a long, long time ago figured out these blocks that can withstand that shock. Don't you just love that? Just like the simplest things, simplest shapes and designs could just withstand the craziest things. Yeah. And they paint them so beautifully and then they interconnect them and they make, yeah, just absolutely amazing. So welcome to this episode of How to Survive an Earthquake with Leo. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you know, we said we weren't going to do any math or anything or calculus, and I feel like we're jumping into there somewhere. That, that was my evil plan this whole time. Slowly lead into earthquakes and then wrap around back to calculators. <laughs> this whole episode is going to be back to the calculator itself. <laughs> so for tinkering, tinkering with tech, what would you say is the best part about it? Oh, aha moments. I love aha moments when, you know, you're working on something, things just aren't going right. And... For me, it's always I, I tend to dive into things and then I'll just, you know, I'll stick with it and stick with it. I'll hit a wall. I keep trying to get through that wall, get through that wall. And then then I'll stop. And sometimes I'll take a day or two days and then you have that aha moment. And it's usually when you're away from the thing you were working on. Like you'll be at work at your day job or whatever. Go, oh, my gosh, I, I get it now. And then it's that anticipation of getting back home. And sure enough, that one little simple fix fixes the problem. I love that. That's part of the fun is having a problem and then having an aha moment. I don't know why, but I just pictured you at work. And you're like, oh, aha. And then your boss is like, what are you doing? He's like, I got to go. But you're, it's the middle of work day. No, no, I got to go. For what? You don't I'll explain later. And, and you go home and it's just like a little like adjustment to the right. There it is. <laughs> just a small adjustment. Like that's what it was. It needed to lean right instead of left. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I mean, that's, that's all part of curiosity and learning mm -hmm. is, you know, mistakes and then figuring those mistakes out. It's all part of it. Yeah. Speaking about the mistakes themselves, would you consider yourself a perfectionist when working on tinkering? Or do you like, you know what, this one was a mistake, but I'm going to learn from it. Or are you the type of like, okay, I got to figure this out right away. Or even if it's in a few days, it's my only project <laughs> I'm working on right now. I won't work on anything else until I get this done. Uh, I don't know if perfectionist <laughs> is the word, but I am, I know that I can be obsessive. I can. Yeah. So perfectionist, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's maybe that it may be true, but, um, I do know that I can obsess over things. So it's like. And I don't know if the goal is perfection or if it's just, I just got to do this, you know? Yeah, yeah it's the same here. I, I got to do 203 episodes for my podcast. It's, it's yeah. not an obsession. It's, uh, it's a way of life. There it is. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and for you, what would you say is your biggest challenge when you first started tinkering? To be honest, money. Because <laughs> there's always that bigger and better project you want to work on. But it's like, oh, but I... I can't afford that, especially when I was a young guy, you know, when I was a kid, especially it's like, Ooh, I would love to be able to do blank, but there's no way I have the money for that. And I would imagine it's a little different now, but with that in mind, what is your latest challenge these days? Everything revolves around podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Damn podcasts. Uh, but, but actually my, uh, uh, my latest challenge these days is time. And I think a lot of people can, can feel you know can can uh, relate to that because there's a lot of other things I would want to be doing with the with the podcast, but it's like yeah, but I don't have time for that, and I and I'm fine with that. Be uh, because one thing there's a conversation that continues to float around the podcasting world about uh, monetization and what you should be doing to have a a podcast, you know, and what a podcast looks like, and you know <laughs> what it should be. But I'm that guy that's still on the outside going. Eh, but this is what I like to do. And this is how I like to do it. And that's fine if you guys say those are the rules, but this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit obsessive about sound and sound quality. Or when I do videos, I want them to look a certain way. My layouts, my branding. Yeah, that's 
to be honest, for me, that's not me trying to appease the rules of what a podcast is supposed to be. It's me trying to obsessively make the show that I want to make. So it's like I've gotten to the point, though, where I've acquired certain tools and automations and whatnot that I'm pretty set on. I love the way I'm doing it now, but I would love to have more time to to do more shows. I actually scaled back recently. So, well, you know what? I completely agree with you. So for people who don't know, Leo and I, we agree on a lot of things when we're on Twitter about these topics. And if I had to go with what is the trend, I would have to interview celebrities and just stuff like that. And I'm like, nah. No, I want to talk to awesome people like Leo because everybody has something to offer and I'm two, over 200 episodes in. I think I'm pretty set on like what I want to do with my show. I think that's something I enjoy doing. I'm creating some dope friendships with just Leo, not nobody else. I'm kidding. I'm creating no, dope friendships. <laughs> <laughs> right, I have no friends. Um, no, so I, I just enjoy doing it and Leo's the same. Like we're doing it for our passion and yeah, time, time is important. It'd be kind of ironic if I don't have time for time for your hobby, but that's a topic for another day. Um, right. So <laughs> for you, <laughs> what would you say is the most stressful part about tinkering with tech? Still time, because sometimes, and this has happened to me countless times over the years with many different things, like even from doing builds or whatnot, is you're right in the middle of getting something together, the last thing I think, oh, but I have to leave for work or I got, I have to go do this. I'm going to have to come back to this because again, like I said, I can be a bit obsessive when I'm working on something. I like to see it through right then and there. But it's like, nope, got to stop and go take care of that ugly R word known as responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, the R word. And the other Ugh. A word, adulthood. Ugh. Oh, Ugh. it's way overrated. Who thought of that? <laughs> Can't we just automate adulthood in some way? Like just let it do itself? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Now, this might be a really tricky question. It's going to go deep into your subconscious. So what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you first started tinkering with tech? That I don't have to have all the answers. Because when I first started getting into especially like programming and, you know, back when being a nerd was new and whatnot and people still teased you about it. Now it's cool. But uh, there was there were there were years where it seemed like you kind of had to prove to people that you knew so many things that other people didn't know. And there was a pretentiousness to, to nerdyism, especially programmers. You know, we, we, there were these pretentious ideas that, yeah, you guys may make fun of us, but I know a lot of stuff you don't know. So it was like, you, I kind of had to make sure that I knew these things, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of a pride thing too, if I really think about it. But, uh, but now, you know, you get older and wiser and it's like, there really was no need for that at all, actually. If I had known that then, it would have saved me a lot of headache, actually. Because I did spend some time proving myself to people that really didn't matter. And it's like, yeah, why did I even bother doing that? <laughs> Other than I wanted to seem bigger than I was. But there was no need for it. Because guess what? A lot of those people, I don't even know them anymore. <laughs> They're not even involved in my life anymore. So it was a waste of time anyway. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Okay. So if that one didn't stump you, this one might. What are some misconceptions about people who do tinkering with tech? Wow. It, it, that actually ties into what I just said. People tend to think you know everything. So <laughs> just so look it back. So in my professional career, I'm a uh, so I, I do uh, IT management for a, um, a a group of senior living homes. So basically, you know, I oversee six facilities, taking care of you know all the networking, the computers, the cell phone, everything, anything. You know, we have a joke that anything with that power button symbol on it, I take care of it. Well. That's not entirely true. Like, I don't know everything. And I'll have people ask me something about a television. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. And they're like, well, you're, you're the IT people. You're supposed to know this. I don't know everything about every brand of television. I don't know the menus on your television. <laughs> so there's that misconception that, you know, people know that 
you work in a certain field and they just, it's kind of like when an off duty doctor gets asked questions of, you know, about something that's not even part of his, his uh, practice, his field of uh, practice. Well, you're a doctor. You should know. No, I don't know everything about your body. That's not my thing. <laughs> See this little rash I have under my armpit. Can you diagnose it really quick? Sir, we're like on a subway. We're just like getting off. We're like, oh, no, it's just like two <laughs> seconds. Sir, this is in public. Put down your shirt. Come on, just take a look. It's under the armpit. Shoves it right in your face. <laughs> like, sir, I'm a neurosurgeon. I don't know rashes. <laughs> It's like connected to the brain somehow, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's nerves there. It's the brain. But like, it's funny you say that because I am an insurance broker. I work in a family business and I am IT, not by choice, just because I'm the youngest one in the office. I oh, well, yeah. technically have to know everything, even that I don't. And if I don't, it's my fault. <laughs> right. You're supposed to know this. You generation, you guys all know this stuff. You're with your fa book face and your twatter. Oh, God, I, I can't say I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Scratch that. I, I meant I was trying to find like yeah, a weird way to say Twitter. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Now that's there forever. Perfect. Uh, let's move <laughs> on from my ridiculous rant of random words. Um, so what has tinkering with tech taught you in life? That if you actually work on something and if you put your mind to things, and this is going to sound so corny and cliche, but it is so true. You honestly can do pretty much anything. If you just put in the work and if you, if you open your mind and explore things, because like I said, that's my, that's me personally. Anyway, I've just always been a naturally curious person and it's surprising the things you can just learn in life if you just are willing to you know just give things a try give random things a try and that, i think that's what life's all about anyway you know so i some people it's, it's like the, they live their life they learn one thing and they say well this is what i'm going to do for a living and then it's like that's pretty much the one thing they know for the rest of their life I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just saying there's so much more to life that you're missing out on. If you just, you know, take some chances on some other stuff, you fail at them. That's, that's part of the fun. Try them and fail at them. I mean, I know a lot of guys, especially in the tech world who are really into photography and it's amazing to see some of the stuff they do. And it's only because they just got curious about it. I mean, I have a, a bit of that photography bug. I'm not close to being as good as a lot of guys I know, but I have a couple of DLSR cameras and sometimes I'll, you know, try to get into that somewhat. But again, that time thing gets in the way, but yeah. And it's just, it's not that they ever wanted to be professional photographers. It's just, they were just curious about it, you know, and there's a lot to learn there in photography too. And and yeah, like you said, curiosity is the best source of inspiration. Like, I don't know for you, but like when I was a kid, I would go in the backyard and just lift up every single rock just to see how bugs interact. And I'm like, just looking at it. And then I put the rock back down slowly and then go to the next rock, lift it up, look, observe, put it down slowly. And like you said, it's okay to step out of your element. Like for me, I've been all about audio for the last 15 years, producing music, podcasting. And now I'm like, you know what? I want to create a board game. And I'm in the process of creating that. I have no experience in it at all. I have a prototype awesome. and I had to do some, a little bit of coding as well for making it to work online. So I'm like, I'm picking up different things and will it work? Who knows? But it's that aspect of trying and maybe I'll pick up something else along the way. And as I'm feeling that's the kind of energy you get as well when you tinker with tinker with tech or just try anything in your life. Absolutely. And like I said, all it takes is for for my brain to see something and go, hey, wonder how that works. <laughs> okay, so speaking about and wondering how that off. works, <laughs> I'm going back to it. What is the current project you're working on? Oh, that's a top secret project, actually. <laughs> okay, so what is the most recent project you worked on? There we go. Unless the less top um, secret, unless that is top secret as well, then what is the last 17th project you worked on? Again, everything revolves around <laughs> podcasting. <at> the, moment, so. <laughs> the last uh, really big project that I worked on was uh, actually um, 
I started getting into, it's not, I'll, I'll tell you what, it's not really a secret, but it's kind of like, I don't want to talk about too much, talk about it too much until I see where it goes. I'll cut out like different parts. So people just don't know what it is currently. <laughs> it's like, it's food. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it's kind of, um, just getting into, uh, branding and producing for other people. And I have one project that's kind of been running, um, with a, a person who really very charismatic person who wants to do something, who wants to start a podcast, but he kind of, you know, branches out to other things. He has great ideas. He's writing a book and yada, yada, yada. And it's, it, it's the fun part. The challenge part of it is it seems that every other day he changes his mind. And I'm like, so now I see how people who do this professionally feel. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Hey, I put this media kit together for you. Check it out. Tell me what you think and we'll go from there. Hey, this is great, but you know what? I want to do everything different. Okay, never mind. Let's start. <laughs> so, a little twitch smile. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that only took 18 hours. That's okay, buddy. <laughs> Why is your hair shedding so fast? <laughs> Daylight savings. I don't even know why. <laughs> so yeah, that's been like, um, that's probably my next biggest project um, because I've said it before and I, you know, I've said it on other podcasts and whatnot that I, sometimes I do feel that I do eventually want to, I will eventually stop doing my own podcast, but I don't want to stop being involved in podcasting, but I want to be more behind the scenes with it. So I am the exact same. Like I want to keep this going and uh, with a kid, it gets challenging and time is hard and editing as well. It takes a lot of, but I want to do it as well. Like the editing part is fun, man. Oh, I, I love th editing. I see yeah. people posting about complain about you're yeah. crazy. That's, that's probably the funnest part. <laughs> the crazy thing about podcasting, if you're doing interview podcasts, it is the perfect introvert extrovert hobby the extrovert part is you're interviewing people and the introvert part is you're just taking your time to edit by yourself oh yes i love editing i i i've tweeted about it because i've seen like i said i see people complain i'm like oh you people are crazy <laughs> that's fun to me yeah okay so this this has just been established leo my brother we know we're just best friends now we're gonna we can go on for hours talking about this yeah. uh we're audio nerds so uh all right. Thanks for listening to the podcast, uh, Leo. We're just going to keep talking. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to end it just like that. I got to do a proper, proper finishing closure grand finale to wrap all this lovely, whimsical, trying to find some other charming. There you go. Charming uh, conversation oh. we had. <laughs> so before I ask the last few questions, one question I do want to ask is, do you have any word of advice for anybody who might be interested in this hobby? In podcasting? <laughs> I meant more in tinkering with tech, but <laughs> oh, well, you know, like I said, just just don't be afraid to. Well, first of all, don't be afraid to break stuff because you will. <laughs> That's going to happen at least once or twice. I don't know if people remember or ever heard that uh, it used to be at Facebook. That was Mark Zuckerberg. He used to tell them, let's move fast and break stuff, uh, because really, that's how you end up building things sometimes is just enjoy the ride, you know, and just tinkering in general. Like I said, you can learn so many things by just poking around. Some of the greatest inventions, that's how they were invented, was just by tinkering. Some of the greatest, here's a, this is going to sound like an odd segue, but did you know some of the greatest foods in history were created by tinkering? On the History Channel, there's this series called The Food That Made America. If you ever watch that and you see how things like Coca-Cola or Oreo cookies or McDonald's burgers, all that stuff, they do the complete history of where that stuff came from. And a lot of it was just people tinkering, thinking, for example, Heinz ketchup. That was because ketchup used to be disgusting. It was like this tar, gross stuff. And Heinz was like, there's got to be a better way to do this. So he starts uh, tinkering with tomatoes and different ingredients. And now look, the most recognized brand in the world. <laughs> so, so yeah, don't be, don't be afraid to tinker, tinker and come up with some great new things. Or come up with some great, horrible things like Alex did. So one time, you know, I said, I love peanut butter. I love cheese. I love ketchup and I love pasta. Why not mix them all together? Wow. Oh. That's a bad tinkering. 
But boy, did I learn a lesson that day. <laughs> you sure did. I'm glad I didn't t- make anybody else. Like I was the only test subject. I didn't have to torture anybody else with that. <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. Just trying it out. And I think for a lot of people, it's the idea of failure that maybe holds them back. Mm-hmm. But look, yes. look at kids. Kids like. I say this weirdly, but kids fail all the time. Like a kid will bump into the wall and get up like, okay, let's keep going. Yeah, let's move. Or (laughs) they'll fall from trying to stand up and then get back up. And I think they're the perfect example of going back to our roots of learning to get back up and try again. Never lose your childlike wonder. Yes. That's what that is. I like that. Uh, so yeah, I've asked this question at the beginning of the episode. I'll ask it again at the end. Do you have any social media links, websites, or projects, secret or non-secret projects that you love to share with the listeners? <laughs> so again, as always, check out Voluntaria. But we got, I got some, you know, I think every podcaster would say this. If they love their own podcast, which you should, you should love your own show. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do have some really great guests coming up. I've done a few uh, already just you know, they're sitting there waiting to be edited. Got a little backlog, but that's, you know, that's the beauty of it too. So just go to voluntaryinput.com. You can find out everything about the show, where to listen to it, how to get in contact with us and register as a guest because we're always looking for great guests. Um, and you can find me, like I said, mostly on Twitter. Just hit me up on Twitter. Just look for at Leo J. Allen Jr. And I'm not a bot. I will interact <laughs> with you. <laughs> I tend to be a little goofy because I'm childish and because <laughs> I like to have fun. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that's, that's, those are the best two places to find me. Perfect. I'll put that down below so people can go check that out and show you all the love. All the love. All just the abundance of all love, like dumped on you, like a dump truck dumping love. That's, I don't know why I'm going with these animals. Uh, uh. Analogies. I don't know. It works somehow. Um, so now for the last question, the one to rule them all. Do you have any questions for me about tinkering with tech? Yeah. So you mentioned being in audio for, did you say 12 years? I think around 15 years. From around 15 years. So what got you interested in audio? So back in high school, hip hop was like a big thing and everybody was doing something related to music. And I'm like, you know what? I want to do poetry and I want to try doing hip hop. So I had a friend who was a producer who started producing music and I'm like, oh, these are cool. I can do my lyrics over them and then be an MC. And I'm like, well, I have these ideas in my head of like sounds I want to do. And it'd be kind of rude of me to just like dictate how the producer is producing. I'm like, I'd like to give it a try. So I, uh, I don't think I was using LimeWire at the time, but, uh, no, I got, I got a program, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I got a program that, uh, to produce music and I'm just like, uh, cool. It was at Fruity Loops. So FL studio. Fruity Loops. I still use it from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. It's still around. Yeah. I still have my Akai MPK 61. I went through so many Akais. I had like the mini ones and stuff like that. So yeah. And I started producing. And here's the thing, I can't play the piano. So for me, the production aspect took hours and hours and hours. So I made all different types of sound. I made a lot of hip hop. Then I got interested in making scores. So kind of like movie mm-hmm. trailer sounds and stuff like that. With that, it was pretty interesting because I can just mask my voice in a way behind the audio. So I didn't have to be super perfect, but I wanted to perfect my audio editing abilities. And I'm sure like yourself, it's a lot of it is self-taught through trial and error, YouTube videos, and just, does that sound right? Does that sound right? Does that sound right? And I'm still using my Roland Eddie Roll uh, audio interface, which is like from the year 2008. So, and it still works. I'm using it right now for this podcast. For people who don't know, it's a box that just transfers the audio to, from a microphone to my computer. (laughs) Right, right. You know, I I didn't mention that, but I uh, worked on music for many years myself. Really? As in a producer? Yeah, I I used to produce, write, sing. I did some rap, but yeah, I still work on music to this day. Uh, a lot of the music you hear, like I'll I'll work on music for other people. I've done uh, music for podcasts, but yeah. Okay, so let me guess. <laughs> We've extended the show, folks. You have your music somewhere I can find it, right? Like YouTube or anywhere like that. Cause I still, you know what? I still have my first song ever on YouTube. It's 
pretty cringy, but it's up there because it's part of my journey. <laughs> well, my, my music journey started in about 1980, I'm going to say 86 when I first started recording and fooling around and, you know, me and a couple me and a few friends. And so I, uh, there's a lot of old stuff that I have on cassette tapes that probably will never see the light of day again <laughs> until I die. <laughs> I have some music that, uh, I've done recently, nothing serious, serious, but you know, I, I maintain a SoundCloud, so I'll, I'll send it to you. You can check out some stuff. Nice. Oh, I can't wait. Like a lot of you, what you said today reminds me of like me and like the things I do. So I love this connection. And I guess to, to keep going with your question to answer that is that, uh, yeah, from music, I'm like, I, so if you might've noticed, I have a deeper voice. So I've been told for a long time that, oh, I should do radio. I should do radio. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I'd like to do radio, but I don't know what I would love to do it about. And then around 2018, because I, I knew podcasts existed, but then I'm like, oh, I want to find a topic and then hobbies. And then that was like my way to practice editing audio. And you have to modify your editing techniques due to your room, the microphone you use, the programs you use. So I constantly reevaluate how I edit my podcasts to just improve that. And then I've also done some voice acting as well. And that has a whole different technique for editing audio. So, uh, I like, I'm an audio head. I think that's the correct term. I just love, I don't know all the technical terms, but audio I love file, audio file. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> don't know the term, but now I know how to do it some way. Yeah. 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 I know how to do it somewhat. And I want to learn more. I would love to make this podcast last forever, but apparently humans have expiration dates. Who knew? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Hey, but it will live on in the ether. And the ether end was it archive.org. That is yeah, a place oh, yeah, to the internet archive. Yes. See, everything I'm saying, you already know. So basically, you, well, why am I here? You can just interview yourself. You, <laughs> you know the questions I'm going to ask. You I know tell the you answers. What, you, you sparked my interest with the voiceover acting. I've thought about that too. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, that okay. too? We need to wrap this up. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. We, we really do have to like just dive deep into this, uh, in the future. Yeah. And yeah, I'd, oh my God, I'd love to learn more about you and connect with you and maybe even work with you. And if you ever need an extra guest on your podcast, you know, Oh yeah. If I am of interest, do, if I qualify based off of your criterias, I am good to go. Literally everyone qualifies to be on my show. Oh, that sounds like my show. <laughs> well, because like you said, the people, even people who don't realize they're interesting, they are very, everyone is interesting in some way or another. You just got to find a topic that they're passionate about. Yeah. Everyone's life has something that's amazing about it, even if they don't even realize it. And I love that. I love, sometimes I don't, I, you know, I love bringing that out of people. They don't realize that it's like, did you know that this was awesome about you? <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I haven't like, I, I'm I, yeah. Speechless. Cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am just excited for this friendship to just blossom. Yeah. That's me the correct as well. Term as well. My friend, me as well. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. Another body with a hobby. Thank you, Leo, for coming on and just sharing your passion with the world and creating this tight friendship right off the bat. Instant bet best friends. We're going to get the bracelets and everything. Uh, mm -hmm. If you guys would like to learn more about Leo, I'll put all the links down below. So it'll be very easy to find. If you'd like to be on my podcast or have any questions at all, you can send me an email at timeforyourhobby at gmail.com. And if you love the podcast or just kind of like it, you know. You can show some support by leaving reviews, buying some merch, or, you know, joining my patron. All that will be down below. It's not, you don't need to do it, but it's there if you want to. But once again, I'm at 200 and some episodes. I've been doing this for a while. Your support is, by just listening, is good enough for me. But what you do need to do is go show Leo some love. So Leo, once again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. This was great. The pleasure is all mine. So until the next episode, make some time for your hobby. Take care.